probably wondering why I'm up here. I'm not here to make a special announcement or to bring us right back into worship. But I'm here to speak this morning and share my heart. This is the first Sunday I've been able to preach, and thank you. (laughs) I feel like I have a word for this season and for this house. But before I get started, I know we do this often, but can we honor the people who are sitting behind me this morning? Come on. All the families. Yeah, come on. That's okay. Yay! All the families that represent. As you're standing, can we also honor the part of this team that no one ever gets to see, the tech department? Come on. Ryan, Brent, Andrew, Daniel, Whitney, Rick, and Kurt, who you can't see. And uh, these guys are just as much as a part of the team as who you see up here. And Brent Ulrich is really one of the guys who's at the helm of everything we do. It's so fun to run alongside of him. He's our sound engineer and so much more. And uh, he's always the voice of True North. He's always honest about how well we're playing and how bad we're playing. But I remember a year ago, I finally got this microphone that I've been wanting for so long, and Brent finally got me this microphone. I thought this microphone was going to solve all of my issues, on stage and off stage. I thought it was going to even help my marriage. And uh, I remember finally getting this microphone. He put it on my desk, and we went right into rehearsal. I think we were trying out a new song that Nathan and I wrote. And I got to tell you, I was messing this song up. I wasn't hitting the notes, and I kept thinking, man, it's got to be the microphone. It just isn't right. And Brent so graciously and honestly told me, look, bro, it's just a mic. It's not a miracle. (laughs) Just hit the notes. (laughs) So love you, man. Come on, can we honor Brent and love you, dude. I love this house. I don't know about you, but I love this place. I love what God's doing here as a worship team. It really is such an honor and a privilege to bring people into the presence of the Lord, but bring people who are so hungry and thirsty. Not just that, but all the faith that is brought into this house week after week, month after month, year after year. It's truly an honor and a privilege. And what a special place this is where God comes and meets with us every single week. It's all about his presence. The creator of the universe comes here through the power of his spirit, meets with us, reveals himself to us, and changes our lives. Come on, how many of you, even in the last year, your lives have been changed from what's taken place here in this house? Come on. It's his presence. Man. I had my first encounter with the presence of the Lord in this house when I was four years old, but we weren't here. We were on 13th Street. How many of you have been with us since the 13th Street days? Come on. Wow, that's awesome. I remember Randy visiting us for the first time. My father-in-law, Randy Clark, is here this morning. Come on, can we honor Randy and his whole family? I didn't know I was going to marry your daughter, but I'm so glad you came here. (laughs) I was four years old, and even at four years old, I really do remember this. I was in the second row in the middle of worship, just like today, and I tugged on my mom's dress to tell her something, and yes, she was wearing a dress, because we dressed up in church back then. Thank God for change and freedom. (laughs) And uh, I remember saying, Mom, do you see it? 
And she said, what do you see? I said, don't you see the smoke? And it was before we had really cool smoke machines and all this stuff that complements the worship. And I said, don't you see the smoke? She said, where's it coming from? I said, it's coming from <laughs> the instruments. It's coming from the drums and it's coming from the bass and the guitars and saxophone, because we had saxophones on stage back then. Anybody wants to bring saxophones back? <laughs> Keep the song sexy, you know what I mean? And <laughs> I said, it's coming from the instruments. And I saw this smoke come from the instruments off the stage, and I saw it rest on people, and I saw it rest on families. And it filled the room so much. Even at four years old, I watched it fill the room, and I watched it go out. And we had these big doors in the back, and I watched it go out while it continued to fill the house. It went out, I'm guessing it went out to the streets and the city and who knows. And I remember, I'll never forget, my mom got down on her knees and told me, David, I think you're seeing the presence of God. I think you're seeing the anointing in this house. I want you to let you know today that the presence of God has always been a part of the worship of this house. Very much attributed to Charles and Ann, their hunger and thirst to always embrace presence-driven worship where the Holy Spirit can come and have his way. Amen. And there's always been a call of worship on this house. And truly, it's not about the great songs and the cool lights and smoke. And my dad always says this, without God, it's just cool lights and smoke. But with him, it's eternity. It's everything. And us as worship leaders, it's just musicians. We're just stewarding, trying to catch up with what God's doing. There's always been a call of worship on this house. We weren't the first ones to steward it. There's a man named Bob Cooney, and then there's a man named Mark Yon. Tiffany's dad was a worship leader here. It's pretty cool. Maurice Crane, Gary Shelton, Ricardo White. Thank God for Ricardo White. Can you honor Ricardo? I know you're watching. Most of us would not, I would say all of us wouldn't be up here doing what we're doing without Ricardo White. So thank you. Love you. And I really believe that as a whole church, we've just recently entered into a season, especially in the last year to 18 months, where God's pouring out his presence like never before. We're seeing healings like never before. We're seeing expansion like never before. We're adding staff members to our house. We're adding departments to our house. We've built on a wing for the children in this house. More and more people are coming. And I know it has to do with a lot of different things and stewarding the best we can, but I do believe in the last year, to 18 months, some of it has to do with us centering our lives around the communion table. And this Sunday marks the 70th Sunday that we've taken communion together as a family in a row. Isn't that awesome? And uh, yeah. Started online only, and then we just kept it going when we reopened. And I just believe it's one of the reasons God's pouring himself out of fresh. Every time we do this, we enter into a deeper revelation of his covenant with us that leaves us in awe and in wonder. It increases our hunger and our thirst. And then God is so graciously in this season to meet us in that hunger and thirst and pour himself out in a greater measure. Come on, can you feel it? It's changing our lives. It's changing our children. I don't know if it's happening in your house, but it's happening in mine. My two daughters, when we get home from church, unless we're at the grandparents' house, they usually run down into our basement and they jump on this little stage that we built for them and they play church. 
And Harper is the announcer, introer, worship leader. She does the communion. She's the speaker. She's the guest speaker. She gives a prophetic word. <laughs> Leaves nothing up to her sister, Juju, who's her, our Juliet. She's three years old. She's her little assistant. And they stand on stage together. And every time they start, Harper goes, all right, everybody, we're about to begin. But don't forget about communion. <laughs> and they get to the communion portion of the service. And they both grab this little toy piece of bread and this cup from their kitchen set. And Harper stands as tall as she can. And she goes, Jesus, this is your body broken for us. This is your blood poured out for us. And I always watch Juliet during this time because she takes it so seriously. She closes her eyes as tight as she can and she holds that bread. And the last time they did this, I remember the Holy Spirit saying, David, they're not playing church. If you got young kids in this house, you got children, you got babies, you got teenagers and adults, I want to let you know they're not playing church either. Wherever they are right now, they're encountering the presence of the living God. And he's taking us into this season as an entire church. It's multi-generational. And what takes place here is going to go on for generations and generations and generations. Amen? It doesn't end with us. We're just getting started. Fast forward about 30 years from when I had that vision at four years old. I've only had one more, and this just recently happened, and happened at the beginning of this year. I was at home, but again, this vision took place, and I was in the middle of worship, like before when I was four, and standing in the middle of the sanctuary right there by the Digerts, and uh, this place was completely packed in this vision, and we were all lifting up our voices, all lifting up our hearts, all lifting up high praise. God does stuff when we all give him high praise. And I remember looking around and seeing every hand lifted, every heart raised, every voice raised, and people were being set free. People we've been contending for, for healing for a long time were being healed. I saw whole families worshiping God together. I could sense angels being added to us. There are specific life center angels. I don't know if you knew that. I could sense those who are a part of the great cloud of witnesses, faithful church members who have passed on and old prophets who have visited here who have passed on. Sometimes they like to come back to visit. I don't know if you knew that either. Anne sees them a lot. They love the balcony, by the way, and they, it's where they can see everything that's going on. But I could sense all of heaven here in this place. You might have felt the same this morning when you walked in here. It's that feeling where anything that's impossible, God can make possible. And I remember closing my eyes and God asking me to open my eyes. And when I opened my eyes, I realized the roof was gone. The walls were gone. And there was vast open space. And everyone was just worshiping. No one else could see it. It was just this thing that God wanted to reveal. And the part that marked me the most is when I looked out, I saw fields and fields of people who were all coming into the kingdom of God being drawn by his presence. I heard the Lord say, this place, this house is wide open to my presence and all that I want to do. And there's nothing our God can't do. Amen? Do you believe that? Come on. And um, I felt like the Lord gave me the scripture to go along with this vision just to make it legit. And... Uh, Ephesians 3, verse 20, it says this. 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask, think, or imagine according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Come on. Can we lift up a shout of praise in this place for all that he's going to do? Just take a moment to thank him for what he's doing and what he's about to do and pray. Come on. If you're comfortable with this, grab the hand of the person next to you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness towards this house. We thank you for your faithfulness towards our lives. Thank you for what you've already started today. Thank you for what you're doing now. Thank you for what you're about to do. I bless the hunger and the thirst and the faith that's in this room. Thank you that nobody here today is here by accident. God, you drew us here. I thank you for the history here, the lineage, and I thank you for what you're about to do. Put your hand over your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, have your way in me. Come on, say that. Have your way in us and have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, you shout amen again. Amen. Awesome. Well, some of you know this, but this is a really big year for my wife and I. We had our third child, and we're really excited about that. He's four months old, and he's a boy, and he's got my name, and he looks like his daddy, and he's got red hair. And he was born only 90 minutes after St. Patty's Day. We won't hold it against his mother, but um, it's all good. He just needed two days to celebrate. And this baby, from the moment we found out we were pregnant, was really different for us because my wife, when she found out we were pregnant, really wanted to have this baby at home. So a couple weeks later, after we found out we were pregnant, she came to me and said, hey, babe, I really feel like we're supposed to have this baby at home. What do you think? I said, no. Like, no way. Number one, I was terrified. I'm not a doctor. Number two, if you know me for about five minutes, you know I suffer from OCD big time. Like you can eat off the floors in my truck. Like our house is clean. I like everything in its place. And you know, if you struggle with OCD, really, it's, it's not a curse. It came from God. It's a good thing. Okay. All right. But just the thought of having a baby in our house, the cleanup and no, I was not doing that. And so months later, she tricked me into saying, yes, this is a true story. And she said, you know, babe, why don't we just have like a midwife come over and she'll talk to us and introduce us to the idea. And you know, at the most, babe, we'll just have her come over to the house when I'm feeling like I'm going in labor and then she can come to the hospital with us. I was like, cool, that sounds awesome. You know, it never happens. And I was like, that sounds great. We're compromising, husband and wife. This is really good. And so Lynn Oakley, are you here today, Lynn? Love you, Lynn, you're awesome. <laughs> Lynn was our midwife, best ever. She's incredible. And um, and so Lynn comes over and they were like in cahoots together about this. They didn't let me know they were talking. And so the three of us are sitting in this room and my wife decides that's the place she's gonna throw the trump card down. It's the same card that guys use usually to get people, their wives to marry them. But she said, babe, look, it wasn't just a feeling God told me that we are having this baby right here in this room. I had a vision of Lynn here. Hi, Lynn. I'm like, what is happening? And. Uh, there's gonna be a pool right here. I'm like, pool, that's a lot of water in a house. What if it leaks and, you know. But as she's sharing this vision, I'm getting caught up in the emotion of it. And I do know that God talks to her and she hears from him and she's 
way more prophetic than I am. And so I get caught up and I say yes. And we're all pumped about it. Lynn leaves. I'm like, I can't wait till you come back. We have this baby. And I wake up the next day and I'm like totally freaked out. And um, so I told God, look, God, if you told my wife, you got to give me a sign. And he really did. And that was a whole different part of the story. But we had an incredible experience. And we had William in the same exact spot in the pool, in the place in our house that Johanna imagined. And I remember holding him for the first time and God speaking to me and saying, see, I make all things new. And uh, I looked down at my feet and I remembered for the first time in a long time, six and a half years ago when we couldn't have children and the doctors didn't have answers for us. And I know there's a lot of stories like that here and I wanna be sensitive to it. It was the same place that my wife had a 16, 17 week miscarriage and we experienced loss like we had never experienced before. And, uh, but more powerful than that, it was the same place that right after the miscarriage, my wife and I decided to get on our knees, hold each other's hands and worship God and trust him. So powerful. I make all things new and that's the title of my message this morning. Revelation 21, verse five through six, it says this, and he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Isn't that good news? It was a mystery to me though to find what I felt God tell me in the present in an end times passage, but the reality that Jesus, the one who is seated on the throne, has made and can make all things new here and now. The truth of that is also found in Hebrews 13, verse eight. We all know this scripture. It says, Jesus Christ, you can say it if you want, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3.6 in the Amplified Version says, for I am the Lord, I do not change, but remain faithful to my covenant with you. We learn about the possibility being made that God can make all things new here and now through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18 in the ESV, it says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The kingdom of heaven invaded earth through the incarnation of Jesus Christ and through his death and his resurrection, he made all things new instantly in us and continues to make all things new in us, through us and around us through the ever-working power and gift of his spirit. There's nothing he can't renew. There's nothing he can't redeem. And there's nothing he can't restore right here, right now, and in this season. Come on, if you're here today and you've experienced loss in this season, and you're barely holding on to a promise or a blessing that you knew was coming from God, I want you to know there's nothing he can't renew. There's nothing he can't restore. And it's gonna be better than you thought it could be. If you feel far from the Lord in this place or haven't given your life to the Lord, I'm telling you, he's right there. He's already made a way. He's reconciled you to himself. 
he wants you to encounter him today. Come on. Amen. Amen. Say it again. Jesus starts with us. He came to restore his relationship with us first. And because he is a God who is in the business of restoration, he can't help himself but make all things new in, through, and around us for his plans and his purposes. I love that Charles has been teaching out of Romans lately. Romans 8, 26 through 18, sorry, 26 through 28 in the message. I love this translation. It says this, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition. Come on, that was a word that we held on to. It's not just talking about babies, it's our pregnant condition with the promises and the blessings that we're holding on to that have yet come to pass. Come on, he knows the condition that you're in right now, full of the promises he wants to bring forth and keeps us present before the Lord, even when we get tired and we're not present. He keeps us present. What a mystery. It's his grace. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Come on, look at somebody next to you and say, something good is about to happen. Come on, it's not church language or lame. It's not I said Jesus. Come on, turn to somebody else. Say something good is about to happen. Amen. I just wanted to take a couple minutes here this morning to share some testimonies with you to prove God's faithfulness to this house and people in this house and prove the fact that he can truly make all things new no matter the situation or circumstance. And our creative team has just been working tirely this on them and people have been really brave to share their stories. So Bruce, where are you? Can you wave at everybody? There's Bruce Aguilar. This video is about his story. Go ahead, guys. Late in February, I woke up with a headache and a sore throat. Then one week later, my wife drove me to the emergency room because I couldn't breathe. So quickly they got me in, they took my vitals. My oxygen saturation level was in the mid 80s, which is not good. And they did x-rays, they did CAT scans, they do all kinds of things. And then they said, you know, Mr. Aguilar, the doctor came in and says, uh, we're gonna get you care. And uh, I just felt like, wow, that doesn't look good. And they started running all kinds of tests. The very first day that I was there, they came in, they said, Mr. Aguilar, you're diabetic. Your A1C is 9.3. So having diabetes really complicates because the COVID pneumonia is, has to be treated with steroids. And steroids really messes up your blood sugars. So every day was a struggle to breathe and to get my blood sugars under control. For six days, I was kind of like getting close to the edge and I knew it. I knew people were praying and I never once was afraid. And I had peace through the whole thing. I would lay there in bed and I couldn't sing, but in my heart I would pray and sing, great are you Lord, it's your breath in my lungs. So I sing out my praise. So after six days, I started to feel better, but they had to get me off of the oxygen. I was on max oxygen 
for 12 of those 14 days I was in the hospital. Then they had to, they have to wean you off of that to get you to go back home, and I did. But when I got home, I was still extremely weak. I had a cough that it was a terrible cough that you get with this COVID, it would just go on and on. But I couldn't wait to get back to Life Center. First Sunday back, you know, a lot of the leadership and my friends and people, they, they saw me, they came up and they were just rejoicing with me. And then Vinny came up and he put his hand on my chest and he began to pray. And when he put his hand there, I felt heat. And I said, whoa, Vinny, I feel heat. And he said, whoa, I feel it too. And he prayed and when he removed his hand, I put my hand there real quick. It was hot where his hand was. And then literally it was, my symptoms started to go away. It was amazing. So four weeks after I had been in the hospital, I had to go for chest x-rays and a pulmonary test and then see the pulmonary doctor. So I went in, he, uh, he says, well, Mr. Aguilar, having any headaches? I went, no. How about shortness of breath? I said, no. How about exhaustion, fatigue? I said, no. Brain fault? I said, no. He kind of cocked his head to one side and said, huh. And they looked at my pulmonary tests and he says, these are all normal. I have nothing for you. You're healed. Then right after that, uh, the doctor's office, my family doctor says, you know, Mr. Aguilar, since you are now um, diabetic, we're going to need to keep tabs on you, so I need you to get some blood tests. I said, fine. So I got the blood test and the doctor's office called me the next day. They were so excited. They said, Mr. Aguilar, your A1C is 5.7, which is normal. You are not diabetic. So the next day I went to, to follow up, visit with my family doctor. So I told him my story and he looked at me and he goes, well, maybe the test was wrong. And he says, but you know what I really think? I said, what's that? He says, I think you were healed. And. Uh, all I can say is, great are you, Lord. Come on. So let's pray right now for God to do it again, okay? If you struggle with any chest conditions, lung conditions, pulmonary conditions, if you've been diagnosed with diabetes, would you be so brave to stand up? We want to pray for you as a church right here, right now. We believe people are going to get healed. Come on. Awesome. Come on, church. Let's stretch our hands towards those who are standing. Thank you for the power of the testimony. I thank you for the faith that's in this room right now. Bless this faith. We declare as a church, any conditions of the lungs, breathing, that don't align with how you've created it, Father, we curse that in the name of Jesus. For those with diabetes, we say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Any of the conditions that Bruce described, 
and the conditions of those standing right now. We say be healed in the name of Jesus through the power of your presence that's here in this place. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Can we shout amen? Amen. Some of those conditions, you're going to have to go to your next checkup and see what the doctor says. But if you were healed or you're experiencing healing, please let us know. This is not a plug. We want to know and we want to check. My father-in-law is here today. He would be angry with me if I didn't check. <laughs> got to have faith to go for it. You got to have faith to check. Would you email us at miracles at lcmi.org? Miracles at lcmi.org. This next video is really cool. We didn't show this one in the first. I waited to show it in the second. There's this dear family, and the parents of this family, their names are Adam and Sharon Colleen. And about a year ago, we lost Adam to severe cancer. He was about 45, 46 years old, five kids. He left such a mark in this life that he even impacted the doctors who were taking care of him week after week for years. Chip and Jen, Dr. Chip and Jen Redinger, who are here today, and even through Adam's passing, the presence of God has affected their lives. So I just want to show this video, and then we'll talk more about that after this video show. Thanks. So, I mean, really, our story could go back many years. I mean, we've been searching for a long time for an actual relationship with God, and not just going to church, but actually having a personal relationship with God. And... We met Adam and his family nearly six years ago, and he had what appeared to be an early stage cancer. And I still remember to this day when I got the phone call from his urologist and said, hey, do you remember Adam? And I said, oh God, I do. And I said, don't tell me. And he said, yeah. And he goes, we did a routine CAT scan follow-up, and it looks like he has new cancer in, in the liver. And so that was really the beginning of our journey and our relationship with Adam and his family. When he came to the point where he couldn't receive any further therapy, um, it was tough, obviously, for his family, his kids, and they had such strength and belief in God that that transition for them from this life to the next was really a beautiful, emotional, spiritual thing to see. Sometimes when you're in the medical field, you feel as though you've failed when you can't get certain things done. And just to know what she said to me and just so comforting that, you know, everyone's healed. It's just not necessarily here on earth. And it's been able to help me in my approach with everyone because seeing people in the hospital, I'm seeing people when they're very sick and oftentimes they're in there because they are going to pass away. So our, our really our encounter with Life Center was something that sort of happened because Jen went to Adam's life celebration there. And she said, you know, I, I really feel like this is where we need to go. And she went to an encounter night and she had this incredible experience. She said, I think this is where we need to go. 
and it's been such a renewal of faith for me personally, for our family, and I feel he just brought it all together. So awesome. Chip and Jen, if you're here, can you just wave your hands? I know you're here somewhere. I thought I saw you in the back. Oh, maybe I'm missing them. Sorry. They're here? Sorry. Oh, there they are. Sorry. It's hard to see. Awesome. Come on. Can we just thank you for sharing and love you, Sharon, and the clean family. And so she encounters the presence of the Lord at Adam's funeral here, tells her husband, you got to come to this church. He encounters the presence of the Lord, and their lives have turned 180 been walking with God and just seeing him do miraculous things in their lives. Just another part of that that goes with God making all things new is I'll never forget seeing Adam's son, Avery, about 12 years old at the end of the funeral, proclaim in front of everybody and before God, I'm going to always follow Jesus because of the way my daddy followed Jesus. God makes all things new. Amen. So good. I'm going to talk just for have one more point to make, and then we're going to go back into worship fully, and I believe God wants to do some things. Is this okay? You guys okay? Everybody all right? All right. All things new, but how do we make room for the new? I believe that there's seasons in our lives where God's asking us to make room for the new. Why? We have to expand our capacity, because sometimes the new is bigger, better. The blessing's huge. The promise is huge, and he's asking us to make room for the new. So how do we make room for the new? Simple answer is faith. And what is faith? Faith is full persuasion, moral conviction, assurance, belief, trusting God to make a way where there seems to be no evidence that a way can be made. Hebrews 11.1, 1, this is the Amplified translation. It says this, now faith is the assurance, title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, meaning they're guaranteed by the Lord. And the evidence of things not yet seen the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends is fact, what cannot be experienced by physical senses. And uh, what else do we know about faith? I've learned this really a lot through traveling with my father-in-law, but faith is truly a gift that comes from God. It's not something we can actually conjure up ourselves. It's a gift from him. He asks us to have faith, but he also gives us faith. How do we know that? Faith is a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, the NIV, it says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. The gift of faith is truly an invitation full of supernatural grace, God's energy that enables us to trust him right where we are. And it starts with just trusting him that he loves us and then we give our lives to him, but it's also trusting him for a specific season or circumstance. There's also another type of gift of faith and that's the spiritual gift of faith. And what is that? It means it comes from the Holy Spirit, like I said, from a specific, for a specific situation, season, or circumstance that God wants to crash into and move supernaturally. Sometimes it's for you, but sometimes God gives you the gift of faith for someone else. That's why a word of knowledge or a prophetic word is so powerful. God gives you the gift of faith. You declare that 
gift of faith to somebody else, the gift of faith in them is stirred. And in that little bit of trusting God, all of heaven can crash in and God can do anything. That's why healing is real. Amen? So how do we access this gift of faith? Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Where do we hear God? We hear God in this. This is filled with eternal promises that are specific to you. We hear God when we declare this word out loud. We hear ourselves declare the word of Christ. And it's one way to access faith. But I also think another way to access faith, which is so true to this house, and in this season like never before, we access this gift of faith in his presence. And how do we get into his presence? Psalms 100 verse 4 says, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with what? Praise. We enter into his presence where this gift of faith is available to us through worship. And the part of the story six and a half years ago where my wife and I decided to worship in that moment of terrible loss and confusion couple minutes after we started worshiping the Lord, his presence flooded our house like I've never felt before, like she's never felt before. And I just remember peace coming, the love of God overwhelming us, casting out all fear, all doubt. And then I remember this gift of faith being so tangible. Even in the midst of facing loss, his presence brought this gift of faith that filled us so much that there was no shadow of a doubt that he was going to be true to his promise, that he was going to make a way where there was no way. We had no shadow of a doubt that he was going to renew the situation and that every bedroom in our home was going to have a kid in it. <laughs> Amen. And I believe strongly this morning, as the band sings this song that they haven't sung yet in the worship set, it's full of the gift of faith. It's full of promises that are for right now. And I believe as we sing, as we worship, God's presence is gonna come and he's gonna release the gift of faith over this house, over his people, over you specifically, no matter where you are on the spectrum, whatever you're believing for. Amen? So can we stand together? And I just wanna get out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to do only the things that he can do. But I, I do wanna ask that if you feel the Holy Spirit resting on you, you feel this gift of faith on you, resting on you, opening your eyes, opening your ears to the impossibilities, the faithfulness of God, respond in some way. Respond in coming up to the altar. We're gonna seamlessly go into a time of healing, a time of prayer, a time of ministry. And I strongly believe through the gift of faith, people are gonna experience breakthrough in this house like never before, amen? Okay, so before we start, can we lift up one more shout of praise, a shout of faith in this place, amen, come on. We wanna officially open up the altar here. If you are in need of healing, of any kind, please come forward. We want to pray with you this morning. If you're believing for a breakthrough and barely holding on to a promise, we want to pray for you this morning. 
if you want an increase of this gift of faith for the season you're in, maybe not just for you, but someone you're praying for and believing for, family members, children, spouse, we wanna pray for you this morning, so come. If you're feeling the Holy Spirit rests on you, if you're feeling this gift of faith rests on you, come, there's more, there's more, there's always more. Thank you, Father. Come on, Brian, if you have anything. It's gonna take a moment here just to lean in a little bit longer. Come on, okay. And stay there. Just, I just kept sensing God's releasing new mindsets. Just been bothering me all morning, prayed it early this morning, but a whole new way of thinking He's releasing into people's a new way of thinking, a new perspective, a new way you're seeing things. Come on, you've been in a place you feel like you're stuck, and God's releasing like a shift in mindset, whole new way of thinking where God is, everything's possible. So it's opening up a whole new way. God, thank you for doing this in Jesus' name. The band's gonna keep worshiping. We're gonna keep praying for people. And this place is wide open to his presence and all that he wants to do, amen? Hey, Whitney, can you put up Ephesians 3, verse 20 again? I just wanna declare this again as we close. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Come on, can we lift up one more shout of victory in this place this morning? Thank you, Lord. Yay. We want to be sensitive to parents with small children. We want to release you. If you have other plans today, that's totally okay. We pray that this gift of faith goes with you everywhere you go. We bless you, Life Center. Can't wait to see all that God has in store in your life for this season. In Jesus' name, amen.